Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Woo. We're getting closer and closer to the weekend, which means we're getting closer and closer to NCAA Regional Weekend. That's right, when all of our teams will be in contention. We'll be on the diamond with hopes of making it eventually, to Omaha. Good morning. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one. Of course, joining me here inside the game studios is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah. Five names. we got a great show lined up for you today. Les East will be joining us at straight up 8 o'clock to talk the latest with the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. That'll be coming up at 8 o'clock this morning. At 8.30, Travis Brown from the Bryan College Station. Eagle covers the Texas A&M Aggies. Will give us a feel for things over there in the College Station Regional where the Raging Cajuns are gearing up as the number three seed on Friday. So those are our two guests. Got those lined up for you. That means we got plenty of time for your phone calls this morning. Feel free to give us a holler on the hotline. It's 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. NCAA regional time. It's getting closer and closer. Cajuns are going to be in College Station as the three seed, as I said. Louisiana Tech is the two seed. It's going to be over in the Austin regional. LSU is the two seed. It's going to be over in the Hattiesburg regional. And the Southeastern Lions are going to be the four seed in the Auburn Regional. And we'll talk more about all those matchups as we go on throughout today's edition of RP3 and Company. But we're going to lead off the day talking about them Houston Astros. Took a little effort, took a little work. Had to get a big, big time timely hit. Out of Jordan Alvarez and, you know, Justin Verlander was phenomenal yet again. But the Strohs get it done once again. They sweep the Oakland Athletics yesterday afternoon. Day baseball, as it was. They complete the sweep and win 5-4 to four yesterday as Alvarez scores two with a double in the ninth inning to put them ahead. For the 5-4 victory. The win gives the Astros the clean sweep over the Athletics. And now the teams lead in the American League West over the Los Angeles Angels is up to five and a half games. Five and a half games. Sure does feel like the Astros are in the driver's seat in that division as now the calendar has turned to June. Remember April? Sky was falling. May tremendous here we are the start of June 
And the Shros have a comfortable five-and-a-half game lead in their own division over a couple teams that a lot of folks raved about, including national media that wanted to sit there and tell you how much better those teams were than the Strohs. Not so much. Not so much. Verlander was phenomenal. Carried a no-hitter late into this ball game, into the seventh inning. It gets broken up. And the Strohs find themselves down. But not to worry. The big fella steps up in a big way for Houston as Alvarez comes up with the big hit. And this is the thing that stands out about this Astros team. They never seem like they're out of a game. That's one. And two, they never seem like they get rattled. Trailing on the road does not bother them. Giving up a lead late does not bother them. When a couple of their stars are in slumps like Bregman has been and like Michael Brantley Jr. has been in the last week and a half or so, doesn't bother them. Earlier in the year, it was Jose Altuve and Yuli Gurriel. Didn't bother them. They find a way. They always find a way. It's what they do. It's what they do. And and part of that is because the team has been constructed and the core has been there from the beginning and they remember the bad years and how they were able to kind of come together and form this great run of five straight ALCS titles. I'm sorry, five straight ALCS appearances and then three ALCS titles and three trips to the World Series. They know how to win. They have confidence that every time they step onto the field, they have a chance. And yeah, it helps when you have somebody like Justin Verlander on your side who goes out there at the age of 39, once again, 39 years old, coming off Tommy John surgery, (laughs) 39 years old and he's coming off Tommy John surgery. And he's pitching this way. It's absolutely ridiculous how well he's been for this team. Took a no-hitter into the seventh inning last night. 39 years old, coming off Tommy John surgery. Missed essentially the last year and a half to almost two years. Now, he didn't get the win last night. Because he carried the no-no into the seventh. But credit Oakland. They broke it up. Got to Verlander. Two hits, three runs on Verlander there in the seventh. They got him out of the game. Abreu comes in. And we talked about it on yesterday's show. They didn't need five relievers to get the win yesterday afternoon. But their ace loses his no-hit bid in the seventh, gives up a couple runs, 
gets taken out of the game. So they need someone to come in there to stop the bleeding. And that's exactly what Abreu did. He came in, stopped the bleeding, and just like that, he pitches a perfect inning. That's exactly what Abreu did. He pitched a perfect inning. No hits, no runs, struck out one, got them out of the jam. And just like that, the Astros are good to go. Now, Presley comes in. He's the closer. He gets the save, but it was a little bit of work, right? (laughs) It was a little bit of work. Astro fan, he gave up a couple hits, gave up a run, made it closer than it needed to be because it was actually 5-3 and made it 5-4. But he got the job done. But Abreu gets the win. And this is, once again, the advantage that the Astros have. Verlander gives up a few runs. He's their ace, unquestioned ace, future Hall of Famer. And yet they're able to count on the bullpen to come in to stabilize things, get them out of the jam, and get the win. If you're the athletics, you're like, we got to Verlander. Yay! We got to Justin. Yes! And you still lost the game. That's got to be immensely demoralizing for that to happen. Alvarez, of course, was the big story inside the batter's box last night for the Astros. Pena as well. Pena went two for five. He and Alvarez were the only Astro hitters to record multiple hits in this ballgame. But Tucker got himself a hit. Altuve as well. Bregman scored two runs, even though he didn't record a hit. So they complete the sweep of the Oakland Athletics. Now they've won four in a row. Their lead in the American League West is up to five and a half games. And they'll gear up to finish this road trip this weekend with the three games set in Kansas City. Today's a travel day. They'll be not playing. So they'll get the day off, rest up for a three-game series there in Kansas City. Now, they lost two of three to start the ser- uh, start the road trip right at Seattle. Lost two of three. Then they sweep Oakland. So now they're four and two on their road trip. If they come home six and three, if the Astros come back home six and three off a nine-game road trip, winning two of those series, that's a success. It's a wild, wildly successful. So we'll see. Strohs keep rolling, though. Finding ways to win. Finding ways to win. That's what they do better than anyone else in Major League Baseball. When somebody else is struggling, somebody else on the team rises to the occasion. Whether it's the lineup or the pitching staff or the back end or the bullpen, it does not matter. The Astros are always finding a way to win a game. And when you have that versatility where you can win games in a multitude of ways, you're going to be a contender. That's why they're a contender. People freaked out in April. I told y'all. I sat here and told y'all. 
Sky's not falling. Astros always start slow. They're always sluggish. When the calendar turns to May, they turn things around, and sure enough, they had a tremendous May. And they're starting off June the same way. Stroh's, once again, will have the night off. Today's a travel day. They'll get back to work for a three-game set at Kansas City. You can listen in, You can listen to the opening game of that series on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM, the talk of Acadiana. That'll be tomorrow night, Friday. Stroh's at Royals. 710 first pitch. You listen to it on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. And the reason why the Strohs are moved over to News Talk for this Royal Series is because LSU baseball at the Hattiesburg Regional will be broadcasting all of LSU's games live from the Berg this weekend. And that'll begin with Friday's game against Kinsall State, which is a 6 o'clock first pitch right here on the game we got to take a time out though when we return here on rp3 and company we'll unveil our poll question of the day and we'll take your phone calls hotlines open 337-706-0111 that's 337-706-0111 you're listening to the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles you're home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Houston Astro tickets. Who wants them? You know you do. You know you love cheering on your Strohs. Guess what? We can help you make that happen. That dream of you sitting inside Minute Maid Ballpark with your bros, cheering on the Strohs to a victory, it's closer than you think. Because we got Astro Weekend giveaways. That's right. We have Astro Weekend Getaways, where we're going to hook you up with four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and because we're nice, because we got nothing but love for you, hotel accommodations that Saturday night. That's right. You want to see the Strohs take on the Chicago White Sox Saturday, June 18th inside Minute Maid Ballpark? Get those four tickets, get a tour of the ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night, then you got to go to our website, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and sign up for our rewards club. It's easy. It's simple. You'll see the tab, Clubhouse Rewards. Click on it. Sign up. It's going to take you a matter of minutes. That's it. And once you become a member, boom, done. You can start earning points, and you can start entering to win great stuff like the Houston Astros weekend getaway. Once again, White Sox Strohs, Saturday, June 18th at Minute Maid Ballpark. Four tickets, tour the ballpark, 
and hotel accommodations, but you can only win it by becoming a member of our clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the Game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Tonight, the NBA Finals tips off. It's going to be a marathon. Yay. It's going to take almost three weeks. We go from having a day off in between games, essentially, to now having multiple days off in between games. No back-to-backs, anything like that. NBA does this because they want to drag out the drama. They also want to give their stars time to rest. That way they can have multiple games and it stretch and people talk about the NBA for three weeks instead of like a week and a half. I get it. I understand why they're doing it. I don't approve, but that's just me. Weirdly enough, the NBA did not consult me on this. I don't know why. Warriors, Celtics. Both teams play very good defense. We don't talk about Golden State's ability on the defensive side of things enough. It kind of gets overlooked, if I'm being honest with you. But they play some nasty defense as well. Not as good as Boston's, or in particular the way Boston started playing defense the last 35 games of the regular season, but they do play defense as well. And for me, this is going to be all about matchups. On one hand, Golden State. They're your veterans making their sixth trip to the NBA Finals since 2015. They're looking to win their fourth Larry O'Brien trophy. Steve Kerr at the helm. Steph Curry. Klay Thompson. Draymond Green. Your trifecta, your trio. The core of this group. During this run. And they're well-rested. They're the veterans. They've been here and done that. They know what it takes to win an NBA title. They also know what it takes to allow another team to win a title. Remember, they had what was supposed to be the greatest basketball team in NBA history, and they lost the NBA Finals that year to LeBron and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So they've been on it. They've experienced being on the stage and it ending in both joy and heartache. Are they as dominant as they were, say, four years ago? No, they're not. They're not the same team. And you saw that during the regular season, but you in particular saw that in the playoffs where the old Golden State team, before they went on the dynasty run, that would commit like 15, 16, 17, 18 turnovers in a game. They, they, they're, a little, they're a little sloppy with their offense. And Clay and Steph can't put up the amount of dominant minutes that they used to. They're still dominant, but they, they're not, they don't dominate as much, right? Draymond is not what he was four years ago either. But the great thing about this Golden State team is that Yes, they're older. They've dealt with injuries to both Steph and Clay Thompson the last few years, in particular Clay. 
they're not as dominant as they might have may have been four to five years ago. But they've retooled this roster because they had issues once Durant left where they had salary cap issues where they don't have a salary cap in the NBA, but they had they had roster building issues. Because the great thing about that Warriors run was the fact that they had all the other guys in addition to the big three that played roles. The supporting cast, if you will. And a lot of those guys were on cheap contracts. A lot of those guys were on team-friendly deals. So it took Golden State a couple years to kind of figure this out. Okay, we got Steph, we got Clay, we got Draymond, we got those three guys locked up. How are we going to build the roster around those three again? And they've done a marvelous job. Credit Steve Kerr, credit the rest of those veteran guys for helping Andrew Wiggins finally live up to his potential as an all-around basketball player. We knew he could play defense coming out of Kansas, and he had some ability as a scorer, but he has developed as a guy that can give you a double-double. And he started off really strong this season, dipped a little bit in the middle part of the season, but came back up in the playoffs. So you have Wiggins, who's been an X factor for them. Jordan Poole, a young man that they've drafted and developed. When Clay was out earlier this year, the Splash Brothers were alive and well because Jordan became that other guy with Steph. And he's young enough and humble enough that he's had no issues going back to the bench and now coming off the bench and can give them 20 in a heartbeat. And... They've been able to do this. So this is a different Warriors team. It's not the dominant team that we saw early in that run, but this is a team that could easily win the Larry O'Brien trophy. Now, they do have some injuries, right? Steve Kerr said yesterday that Payton, Port, and Iguodala are going to be questionable. So that's some of the guys as part of their rotation. We heard Dan Favale tell us that you could see Payton be kind of an X factor in this series. So we'll see. They're not 100% healthy by any stretch of the imagination. Boston, meanwhile, they're a little hobbled. Yet they have found a way to get to the NBA Finals. In spite of dealing with injuries and health issues with their team, Al Horford, Marcus Smart, Williams. Yet here they are. They're hobbled. They're not 100% by any stretch of the imagination. Yet... They survived back-to-back seven-game series to get here, and they play tremendous defense. And yes, the thing, the negative for Boston is this group hasn't been here before. They don't know what this takes. They don't have all that vast experience. Their coach, who is a first-year head coach, does not have all the experience. So they're the youngsters. And inexperience sometimes gets the better of you in big moments. But this group has been together for a while. And it's not as if they've made a surprising playoff run. They've made it to the Eastern Conference Finals with this core group, their core three, if you will, of Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, and Jalen Brown. For me, the X factor in the NBA Finals, which begins tonight, is not what Golden State's going to bring to the table. 
or the big three for Golden State. For me, it's going to be how well does Jalen Brown play for Boston and how well does Andrew Wiggins play for Golden State? It's easy to look at and go, well, if Steph and Clay go off and they score 50 points a game by themselves, so forth and so forth, this will be an easy series. No, it's, it, it, that's not it. We could focus all on the all on Jason Tatum being the best player emerging as a top 10 player in the association this year, especially during this playoff run. Yeah, we could do that. For me, it comes down to two players and how they perform and how consistent they are for their teams in a seven-game series. For me, it's Jalen Brown for the Celtics and Andrew Wiggins for the Golden State Warriors. And we'll find out because the NBA Finals start off tonight. Seven-game series tips off tonight. And that leads us to our poll question of the day. What is your prediction for the NBA Finals? Do you have it Warriors winning in six? Celtics winning in six, Warriors winning in seven, or the Celtics winning in seven? Those are your options for our poll question of the day. Go vote on it on Twitter. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and you can feel free to give us a call on the hotline as well. 337-706-0111. That's 337 706 0111. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Soccer? Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, I know you love to entertain at your house. In the fall... During football season, whether it's Saturdays for college or Sundays for the pros, no matter what team that you're rooting for that you love, you love to entertain at your spot. Your man cave, your outdoor living area, it really does not matter. You love to entertain. Here's the deal. Lafayette Marble and Granite, they're going to help you with entertaining your friends, and your families on game days in the fall. They are the South's largest cultured marble factory, and they pride themselves on earning your business. Look, you already know that LMG provides show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens and your bathrooms, but trust me, they can take your man cave and your outdoor living spaces to another level, so much so that you're going to be the envy of your neighborhood during game days in the fall. But you got to go visit their website. LMGElite.com. That's LMGElite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and the great products that LMG has to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. So go check out their website, LMGElite.com, or you know what? Just stop by the showroom. They're located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford. 
Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Poll question of the day is up. We want to hear from you. What is your prediction for the NBA Finals? Who is going to win the Larry O'Brien Trophy? It all starts tonight. NBA Finals tip tonight. A little after 7 o'clock. Game 1 from the Bay Area. San Francisco these days. No longer in Oakland. How's it going to go down? We expect this to be a good series. We expect this to be a competitive series. It should go fairly long as well. At least six games is what most people think. But how do you have it going down? Do you have the Warriors winning in six? Or do you have Boston winning in six? Do you have the Warriors winning in seven? Or do you have Boston winning in seven? That's our poll question of the day. Go vote on it and leave your comments on Facebook and the Twitter Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Let's not get unruly. We're almost here. We've almost made it to the weekend. Let's not get cray-cray with it, as they like to say. Right now, leading the vote, 80% of you say the Golden State Warriors winning in six games. 20% of you say Warriors in seven. No votes yet for the Boston Celtics. That's because James Mesh is not up yet, but he will be shortly. No, he won't. Hey, he, he won't be up anytime during the length of our show. We've talked Astros. We've talked NBA Finals. Let's talk NCAA Regionals because, once again, they will be beginning tomorrow. Four teams from the state of Louisiana are in the field. We thought we'd have multiple Louisiana teams at, multi, at one location. That didn't happen. The NCAA selection said, ah, not so much. <laughs> it just did. It just, they're like, I thought for sure this year they would go make their regionals really regional, and they opted not to. They did so in like North Carolina, and that was it. Rest of the country, they're like, nah, no. LSU is the two seed in Hattiesburg, taking on a Southern Miss team. They won't face them in game one. But Southern Miss is your host. And once again, Southern Miss has had a very good season. Golden Eagles took two of three from Tech, two of three from the Cajuns, beat Ole Miss, beat Alabama, beat defending national champ Mississippi State. They've had a good year. But they stumbled in their conference tournament, which gives me pause if Southern Miss can actually win its own regional. LSU, we know they've been up and down. Get swept at home by Ole Miss, but then go on the road to Sweet Vandy. Win a game at the SEC tournament, then get embarrassed by Kentucky the same weekend, essentially. What LSU team is going to show up for the regional? Are they going to have to just go old-fashioned, mid-90s gorilla ball and win the regional that way by just outslugging the competition? Because they will have Jacob Berry and Kay Doty back into the mix as they try to make a run for their seventh national title. I like LSU's chances to win the Hattiesburg Regional. I just do. I think they'll figure out a way to get it done. The Southeastern Louisiana Lions, they won the Southland Conference, got to 30 wins by winning the Conference Championship Series, taking two or three from McNeese in Lake Charles. 
They have to go play in the Auburn Regional. Auburn Regional seems to be wide open to me. Does Southeastern have a chance? Yeah, you always have a chance, but I don't have a ton of faith in their abilities to be able to come out and win that regional. I feel immensely confident that LSU has a chance. And I also feel immensely confident that Louisiana Tech has a chance. They're your two seed in the Austin Regional. Texas, this is not a vintage Longhorns team. No offense to all the UT fans out there listening. Just isn't. You've seen this team play, you know that. They're flawed. They're very good. Are they what the usually the standard is for Texas baseball? No. Just like LSU right now is not the standard for LSU baseball, Texas is not the standard for Texas baseball. And that's a fair criticism, by the way. That's why I like Tech's chances to win the Austin Regional. Will it be easy? Absolutely not. That said, this group of kids for Tech, they've been through a tornado destroying their stadium and their campus and making them essentially gypsies for a year. They survived and lived through the pandemic. They are also the first group of guys in program history to have Louisiana Tech host a regional, which they did last year at the Love Shack, the revamped, remodeled Love Shack. So these guys have been through a lot. They got a core guys that have seen it all. And when we had Teddy Allen on the show yesterday, our friend from Louisiana Tech and up in the Shreveport Bossier area, he said these guys really don't get right they're 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 gritty right they're 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 gamers they're a lot like their coach coach burrows who was a first-time head coach at northwestern state before move making the move over to tech six years ago they're scrappers when you get into regional play and you have that kind of mentality that you're just grinders you're a bunch of scrappers you always have a chance you always have a chance And that's kind of the same mentality that the Louisiana Raging Cajuns have taken on. I've said this before, and Jay Walker agreed with me. This team finally feels like it's Matt Deggs' team. It's year number three of the Deggs era. The first year was all about emotion, right? It just was. The first season was nothing but emotion. It was him coming back to the place where his career, and more importantly, where his life was saved. He gives all the credit to God and to Tony Robichaux for not only saving his career, but saving his life. And he gets to come back now. And he came back, and everyone had just lost Tony. The university, the athletic department, the community, it was all emotional. They they get the, the statue built. Deggs also faces off against his former team, Sam Houston State, who he left to come and coach the Raging Cajuns. Then the pandemic hits. It was nothing. It was it was just nothing but stress and anxiety. Last year was really the first year. And they had ups and downs. And they turned it on during the conference tournament, if you remember. 
fell just short. This year had some ups and downs as well, didn't they? But as the season progressed, once you got about to the halfway point, you looked at this team and you went, oh, this is Matt Deggs' team now. The way they play, he talks about that Wolfpack mentality, the way they play, the way they carry themselves. This is no longer Matt Deggs coaching Tony Robichaux's team. This is now Matt Deggs' team, and the guys represent that. And you saw that just develop in front of your eyes this season. And now they have a chance, after scrapping their way to a conference championship, a tournament championship, first one since 2016. Yeah, it's been that long. And they did so by knocking off top-seeded Texas State, a team that swept them during the regular season. They did that in the semis after trailing 2 nothing, And then they get down 5 to nothing to Georgia Southern and yet found a way to win. Do I think the Raging Cajuns have anything left in the tank for this regional? Yes, absolutely I do. Do I think they're going to have enough in the tank to take down TCU, who is the regular season Big 12 champion, and have to take down the host, Texas A&M? Maybe. Maybe. TCU is going to be a massive hurdle tomorrow night. 7 o'clock first pitch from College Station. It just is. That's a really, really good ball club that didn't win their conference tournament and had to settle for a two seed. So you can, I can guarantee you that TCU is going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. A little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And I do wonder about A&M. They've had a great season. A surprising season. You could argue Texas A&M may be the most surprising team in college baseball. Because this is a team that didn't even qualify for the SEC tournament a year ago. Yet here they are as a national seed hosting a regional. What an amazing turnaround that's happened over there in College Station. But these guys haven't been on this stage before. The coaching staff has. But the Aggie players don't know how to handle hosting a regional. They don't know what it means to be this close to punching your ticket to a super regional and try to get to Omaha. They don't understand this. They've never experienced it before. How does Texas A&M deal with that? That's that's what makes this region, region regional so intriguing to me. We got to take a timeout. Got to take that timeout. I know it's sad. But don't be sad. More RP3 and companies coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Woo, me, oh, my crawfish pie. Are you ready for a birthday bash? The game is turning 10 years old. What? We're turning 10 years old, and we're inviting you to come partay with us as we celebrate a decade of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Come join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June the 22nd. That's Wednesday, June the 22nd. There's going to be delicious wings. 
amazing door prizes. I'm talking like Houston Astros tickets, rounds of golf, station swag, and so much more. Of course, all your favorite personalities from 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles are going to be there. Producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names, myself, Miguez, Mesh from Crunch Time, the blonde bomber Jordy Holberg, even Footsie himself, Kevin Foot, will be there. Oh, and by the way, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live, live from Buffalo Wild Wings as well following the completion of the Houston Astros game. It is going to be a great time. So come out, join us for our birthday bash. We celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We want you to be part of that celebration. Once again, come join us at B-Dubs on Wednesday, June the 22nd. Starting around 4 o'clock, we'll take it until about 9 o'clock, maybe later. Watch out now. It's the game's 10th birthday bash. Got to check in on the poll question of the day before we wrap up our number one here on the RP3 and company. We asked you, what is your prediction for the NBA Finals? They tip tonight. Game one in San Francisco, Boston at Golden State. We asked you what your prediction is for this year's NBA Finals. Right now, 58% of you say Warriors in six. 25% say Warriors in seven. 17% of you say Celtics in six. No votes yet for Celtics in seven. Salty Steve, always with a quick comment. The conference finals almost put Ambien out of business. Now we have one team with tons of finals experience with ample rest facing a team who went seven games and has zero finals experience. Stevie Wonder can see the outcome of this one. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! Steve Saltiness! Darren, number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company, says Warriors and six just because it's up there. I'm a Laker guy, and I heard someone say Golden State must win, but LeBron fans don't like the Warriors either, if you know the history there. Curry wins his first finals MVP this year. That's my prediction. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep those comments coming as well on Facebook and Twitter. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning. Welcome back to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. We've had a great start to today's show. Covered a lot in our number one. Houston Astros. Comeback victory for the Strohs. Justin Verlander takes a no-no into the seventh inning. Loses it. Gets taken out of the game. But the relief pitching gets the job done yet again for the Astros. And Jordan Alvarez clears the bases with a double in the top of the ninth 
as the Strohs complete the sweep of the Oakland Athletics. They've now won four in a row, and they increase their lead in the American League West to five and a half games. Funny how this works. I was told, and you were told, that the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim County, San Diego Credit Union, that they had the two greatest players in the history of baseball, and that they were going to run away with the American League West. That's what I was told. That's what you were told. That's what we were all told, all of us together. Yet here it stands, June the 2nd, and despite having the likes of Otani and Trout, the Angels are five and a half games back of the Houston Astros. There you go. I expect Houston to remain in the driver's seat the rest of the season. Will they have a lull or two? They sure do. They, they sure will. Every team does. Every team does. Heck, look at the Los Angeles Dodgers. They were just swept by the Pittsburgh Pirates for the first time in like 20 years. And the Dodgers spend about as much money as the state of Louisiana does on roads, on their payroll. And they still lost to the Pirates, who are trying to lose. So baseball is a funny game. But if you're asking me which team's roster I like more, it's got to be Houston's. They've been to three World Series in five years. They have a healthy Justin Verlander now. They have Altuve. They have Bregman. They have Michael Brantley Jr. They have Jordan Alvarez. They have Yuli Gurriel. They have Tucker. They have Jeremy Pena, who has no problems whatsoever playing in the show. They have probably overall the best pitching staff of any team in Major League Baseball, starting rotation and relief pitching. And they have a wildly old veteran, lifelong baseball guy as their skipper. And here's the other thing that fans of other teams that want to hate on the Astros don't realize. I'll give you a little peek behind the curtain, so to speak. How the sausage is made, as they like to say these days. Your hatred towards the Houston Astros for the trash can sign stealing from a few years ago only fuels them. Only fuels them. That's the thing that people don't understand. Certain teams are built a certain way. And the Astros are built to take all your slings and arrows, and then they turn it around and they use that as fuel for themselves. They still get booed when they go to other cities, except for Oakland because no one shows up. They are still get hated on by other teams' players. They're still overly ridden think pieces by wannabe national columnists that talk about how the Astros are still a disgrace and they're a black eye to baseball and blah, 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 blah. It's all nonsense, by the way. The only thing that does 
is you're feeding the animal. Your hatred for the Strohs, you rooting against them, you booing them when they come to your town, you calling Sports Talk Radio to complain about them, only fuels them. They block out the noise very well, and they have a huge chip on their shoulder. And they got the perfect guy to be their skipper to deal with everything that they've dealt with the last couple of years. And they got a bunch of dogs. So not only, not only you could argue they may have the most talented lineup or one of the top three best lineups in Major League Baseball right now, top to bottom, one to nine. They got a future Hall of Famer and the guy that's the leading contender to win the American League Cy Young Award this year right now, Justin Verlander, 39 years old. They have a bunch of other guys that are really good on staff. And they got great relief pitching. In addition to the talent they have, and oh, by the way, the most playoff experience, World Series experience of any team in Major League Baseball. On top of all of that, they also have a chip on their shoulder. And they take your slings and arrows And they say, thank you very much. I'll have another. The best competitors do that. The best competitors take when teams and fan bases and national media give them the business. And they take that and they turn it into fuel for themselves. Especially, look at any sport, it always happens. Jordan did it for years. Gretzky did it. Kobe did it. Barry Bonds did it. You may hate Barry Bonds. You may think he's one of the worst guys to ever play baseball. But he took it and he used it as fuel. The most competitive people do that. And the Strohs are filled with dogs. Guys that are competitive with each other and competitive with everybody else in the league. And it's all about Houston versus everyone else. And that's why I like the Strohs' chances. I like Houston's chances a lot. Now, of course, health will play a big role in this. We know this. We understand this. You just do. You lose one of your starting pitchers for a year. You lose one of your guys in the lineup. Yeah, that changes things, right? But I just like what they're doing. And they always come off the sluggish start. And everyone talks about the Oakland Athletics or the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim County, San Diego Credit Union, whatever they call themselves. And everyone thinks about that and talks about that. Because, look, here's the other thing. National media, national baseball folks, fans of other teams, they're tired of the Astros. That's part of this, too. They're fatigued by the Astros. They're tired of seeing Houston go to three World Series in a five-year span. They're tired of them being a contender year in, year out. That's part of it as well. They have fatigue, if you will. But you look at the American League. The Yankees are having a tremendous season. New York has put together something. My big question is, do the Yankees have enough pitching? The lineup is filthy. But do the Yankees have enough pitching 
to get the job done. That's my big question mark about the Bronx Bombers. But they are having a phenomenal start to their season, 34-15. and 15. They easily lead the American League East. We thought the AL East was supposed to be more competitive, but the Blue Jays are a full five games back of the pinstripers. Tampa Bay is five and a half games behind New York. Yankees are in the driver's seat there in the AL East, and they are looking good. They look like they are a World Series contender. Minnesota leads the Central. The Central is down overall. White Sox were dealing with all those injuries, and they're five games back of Minnesota, and right now Chicago is actually two games below 500. Woof. The West, Astros are in the driver's seat easily there. Angels and Mariners, if Seattle can ever get their act together, could be wildcard teams out of that. But right now, your two best teams in the American League, and it's not even close, are the Yankees and the Astros. They're the cream of the crop. They're the two best teams in the American League. And the National League, the Mets, the Yankees and the Mets are both just in complete control in their own races. Now, I never trust the Mets because the Mets always find a way to squander a lead and find a way to implode. It feels like things are changing, though, a little bit there in Queens. It feels like the Mets are finally getting their act together. And don't forget, we've had multiple teams from the National League East go to the World Series in the last five or six years. Different ones. Could this be the Mets year after the Braves winning it all a year ago? Yeah, my bravos. Oh, man. It's the old hammock season, as Kevin Foote says. <laughs> Just enjoy being the champion because you're not going to get back there. Bravos are three games under 500 right now. Ten and a half back of the Mets. Brewers are a team we don't talk enough about. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Milwaukee's not a team that we talk enough about when it comes to Major League Baseball. They lead the Central by only two games. Cardinals are breathing down their necks. That should be an interesting race for the remainder of the summer. But Milwaukee is really good. They're sneaky good. We don't talk enough about them. And then, of course, the National League West which is an absolute dogfight. Dodgers lead that one with their $872 million payroll. I I say that in a facetious manner. It's really probably only like, you know, $342 million. Dodgers lead that division by three games over the Padres. Can San Diego stay healthy enough to catch Los Angeles and compete with the Dodgers? I don't know. I don't know. So here we are at the start of June. And baseball is immensely interesting right now. But in the American League, the two teams that stand out to me the most right now are the Yankees and the Strohs. Would not mind seeing them face off in an American League championship series come October. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Martin to the show. Martin, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Good morning, bald and beautiful. And, and, uh... I'm just gonna say this morning I got it right on my on my comment on y'all whole question today is the fighting meshes that's gonna get swept in the NBA finals, aka the Boston Celtics. But I gotta I gotta I gotta compliment you for that wonderful take that you just covered 
about you think the Astros care about what some Yankees fans are saying that they were banging on trash cans. First of all, at least their fans know how to throw trash in those trash cans and not onto the field. <laughs> but That's there was nice. there was there was one name that I kept that kept going through my head every time you said that take on the Houston Astros and that that's Mr. A- Mr. Yankees lover himself, Mr. Paul. Okay? You think that the Astros care that he thinks that the Astros are a bunch of cheaters banging on trash? No. Like you said, it only fuels them. Now, I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, but I also do like the Astros. I have nothing against them. But, uh, but like I said, that only fuels them. You made my day by 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 bringing that topic up and um you said that yeah the Yankees may be in the driver's seat but they in the driver's seat of a of a bus with four flat tires and they they are going to crash and burn like they always do the Astros got their number they're not going to win no world series and I'm going to say it till October and I'm gonna, when I see Paul in October again I'm going to say I told you so <laughs> I hope he's got his I hope he's got his his counseling uh his counseling services all lined up because yet again his Yankees are gonna disappoint him like they always do. And uh that's pretty much all I got to say this morning. But it's a glorious day. My Red Sox beat beat the Reds and uh that's all I got to say, man. Have a good one. Oh, and also another thing, I think it's time that y'all change y'all intro for y'all show and instead of saying the producer extraordinaire I think y'all should say um, the chair dance off champion. Oh, uh, chair dance off champion. There it is. There it is. Thank you, Martin. Have a great day, my friend. Have a great one, buddy. Dance off champion. This also leads us a nice transition to what occurred yesterday on the campus of Delta Media. We had an impromptu wiffle ball home run derby. Your boy. I started off strong, right? We had 10 pitches. Producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names was the pitcher. It was myself, James Mesh, and Matt Miguez competing in this wiffle ball home run derby that we set up right outside the studios here at Delta Media. I started off strong. The big ball, the beautiful one, came out five home runs in 10 pitches. But then, but then, Matt Miguez comes to the plate. And God bless him. My man didn't hit a single home run. Didn't even come close. He was foul tipping the pitches like it was nobody's business. He got so mad. He got so mad. God bless him. He got so mad. I'm just, I'm just, I was just laughing the whole time. James struggles in the first round, hits one. Home run out of 10, but that's enough to get to the finals. And then your boy, I had nothing left. I had nothing left in the gas tank. I hit one home run. The very first pitch from five names in the championship round, I belt that bad boy into home run territory. And then I couldn't hit another one. I ran out of gas. I was done. Mesh hit two to be able to win the championship round. I mean, I hit more overall home runs. I'd just like to point that out. But that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. 
Some of the competitors tried to blame their performance on the pitching of Hannah Five Names. I will come to her defense right now. Right now here live on the air. Her pitching was just fine. Her pitching was just fine. Maybe. Maybe you need more practice with the wiffle ball bat in your hands. He tried to bring out the real bat to yes. help him. Miguez got so frustrated. He tried to blame it on the Houston Astros <laughs> wiffle ball bat that he bought. He's like, this doesn't work. I said, don't blame it on the bat. I was able to hit five home runs, and I'm out of shape 43-year-old guy. You're young. You're like 23 years. What do you mean you can't hit a wiffle ball? You just can't hit the ball. That's all that is. Tried to blame it on five names. Then he tried to go get a real bat out of his car. I was like, you're not using a real bat to hit wiffle balls. Miguez, you lost. You were awful. Deal with it. Accept it. You were bad. I don't know what was what. Uh, what, what really stood out. Was it James being so cool with wearing his sunglasses? Was it your pitching? Was it my athletic prowess on display with my pure strength? where I was able to somehow take the momentum of my big, large body and put it into the wiffle ball bat? Or it was really just Miguez striking out. <laughs> he couldn't, not only did he not hit a home run, he struck out a few and times. And then he thought the hits were counting. I was like, this is a home run derby. Last time I checked, home run means actually it goes somewhere, not just touching it. He uh, even hit me at one point. Yes, he pelted you with one of the wiffle balls. It I don't was, know. Y'all would have been out in the first like two hits, but it's fine. It was. It was. You can see all of our wiffle ball shenanigans on social media. We shared the video on the game's Facebook page. We also shared a link on Twitter. So go check it out. You'll have a good laugh watching uh, three individuals try to hit wiffle balls and doing so so poorly. You'll. You know what? You're gonna feel better about yourself. Plain yes. and simple. You're going to feel better about yourself. So we got to take a timeout. Keep those phone calls coming. Hotline is open this hour. Game hotline 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. There are some hosts that talk like they know everything, but you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, today is going to be the day that you're going to sign up for the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com because not only is it free to join, but you'll also have the opportunity, the chance, if you will, to enter to win tremendous free gifts like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. That's right, $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse, mouth-watering steaks, cooked to perfection just the way you want them 
tremendous sides, and so much more. You can only score that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Once again, $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. But you can only win it by being a member of our clubhouse. So go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Make it happen so you can win that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Let's check in in the old poll question of the day, shall we? We asked you, what is your prediction for the NBA Finals? NBA Finals. They tip off tonight. Will it be a long series? Will it be a good series? We hope. Right now, your prediction for the NBA Finals is 58% of you say the Warriors are going to win this in six games. 26% say the Warriors are going to win in seven. 11% of you say the Boston Celtics are going to win in six games. 5% of you say the Celtics are going to win a long series. They're going to win it in seven. Brandon has chimed in on Twitter with the always welcomed write-in vote Warriors in five Brandon says this ain't going to be no series this is going to be done series going to be over it's going to be a gentleman's sweep says Brandon gentleman's sweep Woo! I don't know about that now I mean you think that would happen you know at first glance you're like Boston should be exhausted. They've just played back-to-back seven-game series, and they have been absolutely brutal series, right? Long series filled with injuries for everyone. But I don't know. They're also younger, right? Which means they should be able to bounce back quicker. So that's going to be interesting to me. Over on the Facebook, Martin, who called, says Golden State is going to sweep in four. He says, sorry, it's James Mesh. Like I always say about my Cowboys every season, there's always next year. But please, can we get some good close games? I'll even take a buzzer beater. No blowout wins, please. Thank you. So Martin wants close games, but he still believes Golden State's going to sweep in four. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. It's not that hard, right? It's not that difficult. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, we're going to touch on some college football. SEC coaches and administrators are meeting in Destin for their annual meetings. Some interesting things came out of Destin, Florida yesterday in particular. I'll share that with you. That's coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back 
back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, it's the game's birthday, and this right now is your invitation to come party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June the 22nd. That's just in a few weeks. There's going to be delicious wings there. Amazing door prizes. I'm talking Houston Astro tickets. I'm talking station swag. I'm talking a round of golf and more. We got stuff to give away. We want to give it away to you. Also, the game lineup will be there in the house. You want to hang out with the producers extraordinaires, Hannah Five Names, and James Mesh? They'll be there. What about the new guy, Matt Miguez? You want to rib him about his wiffle ball bat prowess or lack of? He'll be there. The blonde bomber, Jordy Holberg, will be in the house. What? That's right. Kevin Foote will be there. He'll be complaining about the Astros for some reason. You can count on it. I'll be there. You don't really care about me, but I'll be there. Even the world-famous one, Clint Domain, will be in the house. We'll also be broadcasting live. Astros play that day. We're going to carry that game. As soon as the Astros game is wrapped up, we'll do a live special broadcast of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh starting after the Astros for about 4.35 o'clock on that day. We're going to party until 9 o'clock. Come hang with us. There's going to be food, prizes. James Mesh wearing sunglasses inside for some reason. I'm sure that'll happen. And so much more. It's the game's birthday bash. 10th anniversary there at B-Dubs on Wednesday, June the 22nd. So come by and join us. I want to talk SEC. It just means more, you know. They're having their meetings in Destin. And I know it gets a little confusing. Why do they have meetings in the month of June in Destin when they're going to have media day in July? And they could just have their meetings during the same time? I I don't understand it. I'm not that smart. But what I do know is that they're having their meetings over in Destin. And there's a lot of talk going on about scheduling formats, by the way. So Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the mighty SEC, shared those latest details on the SEC's future scheduling format. And what the SEC is looking at here is this. Pods have been eliminated from discussion for a while. Most field divisions are out too. So it looks like they're going to go to a single division model. Sankey said the league is focused more on anything on creating a single division model and eliminating the two division format. And this was first reported by Sports Illustrated's Ross Dellinger. Lane Kiffin. Ole Miss head coach confirmed that the conference narrowed its scheduling models to eight and nine game formats, but declined to reveal more details. Sankey also told Ross Ellinger that he expects the new format will happen sooner rather than later. So the NCAA cleared the way for this in part of 
saying you don't have to have divisions anymore to be able to crown a conference champion. And we've gotten to the point where conferences are getting so bloated that having divisions really doesn't help. It used to help. You'd put your best team in the West and the best team in the East. They face off, and you got your conference champion, and they'd get additional revenue, and it'd be great to have the divisions. But they're outdated now. They're, they're no longer needed, especially in the bigger conferences. Pac-12 was the first to do this, by the way. Credit our friends on the West Coast for saying, we're done with this. We're taking the two best teams in our conference. They'll play for the championship game. Done. The SEC is going to follow suit. Going to get rid of the divisional format. Because remember, don't forget, Texas and Oklahoma are coming to the SEC. Texas and Oklahoma are coming to the SEC. So it just makes sense that you get rid of the divisions, right? You go into eight, nine thing. Also, doing the eight-game format or the nine-game format is also going to reduce the number of those FCS cupcake games that the SEC loves having. That fans hate, media members hate even more, to cover, those are going to go by the wayside. And this is something that the coaches have been pushing, Saban and others, for a while. Now, in the eight-game format, the teams in the league would have one permanent opponent and face seven rotating opponents, a 1-7 model. The nine-game format would allow teams to have three permanent opponents and six rotating. I've been told there's a lot of push there for the nine-game format. Because when you have that format, let's say, let's take LSU, for example. LSU would want to keep as permanent, right, Alabama, Auburn, probably, and then it's going to be a toss-up between Ole Miss and Texas A&M. But they have plenty of teams that they would want to play year in, year out, right? Alabama would be their rivals, they would want to play Auburn every year for sure, Tennessee, and, and probably LSU. So I would see, I think there's going to be more of a push for the nine-game format for the SEC that would allow the teams to have three permanent opponents and then six rotating. And, and here's the thing. This is also going to help out because then you're not going to have to, you know, LSU's not going to have to face Mississippi State every single year unless it's one of their three permanent opponents, right? Georgia's not going to be able to beat up on poor Vandy every single year. Other teams will have the cho- the opportunity to beat up on poor Vandy. Sorry, Commodores, is a struggle. So that's interesting. SEC building momentum when it comes to the scheduling format. They're going to get away from divisions. They're going to go to eight-game or nine-game conference game formats the eight game has one permanent opponent. The rest are rotating. The nine game format has three permanent teams and the rest would be rotating. So that's interesting and something to keep an eye on. And I think that's going to become the standard, if you will, across the board for college football. Something else that stood out to me from the SEC meetings there in Destin and not Jimbo saying he's done talking about his beef with Saban and Saban saying that he didn't say anything wrong. Tired, 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 tired of that. 
Just going to bypass that move right, right along. Billy Napier, former Raging Cajun head coach, had something interesting to say. He's now the head man at Florida. And he's entering his first season at the, as, at the helm of the Gators program, rather. And he's already been thrown into the fire a little bit, talking about NIL deals, which have been the topic of discussion, in particular with the mid-90s lame rap beef between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. Napier came out and said this, basically said that Florida will not use NIL funding in a possible bidding war, claiming that players won't solely make decisions off of that. He said, quote, we don't operate that way if that makes sense. I think that NIL is a portion of the decision. I think a lot of times when you really dig into why is the player leaving where he's at, there are other factors. All these situations are case by case. You've got to evaluate each situation independent of all others. End quote. And I think Billy fully believes that. And I think there's a lot of truth to what Billy says. But Billy also has players that played for the Raging Cajuns that are in Florida. And there was also NIL involved. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I get it. He's taking the high road here. And his recruiting pitch is not NIL money. It never has been. He didn't build UL into a top 25 ranked team by doing it that way. He didn't. But, however, that does not mean that the Gators will sit out of the NIL game altogether. To prepare for how to use NIL and recruitment, Napier added, he can't look in college football for the answer, so he's looking to another industry for help. This is what he had to say about that. Quote, there's no manual for this in college football. I've been studying the National Football League because I think there are some things to learn. Every player on our team who hasn't transferred before is a free agent every year. That's the one thing that we lack that the National Football League has, end quote. He's not wrong. NIL in the NCAA transfer portal has now, allowed, uh, has now made college football free agency every offseason. Every offseason. So some interesting things there in regards to the SEC meetings that are being held currently in Destin, Florida this week. Obviously, Media Day will be coming up, but the scheduling format is the thing that really stands out to me, and I think that would be amazing for the SEC. You get rid of some of those cupcake games that no one really cares about, and your league gets improved, and you're adding Texas and Oklahoma. It just makes sense. Get rid of divisions. Get rid of having Missouri in the SEC East. Yes, I'll say it again. Missouri, which by the way, if you didn't take geography class, I had to take multiple geography courses in college. Missouri is in the central part of America. The show me state. It's above Arkansas. Yet, it plays in the SEC East division. There we go. So no more divisions. They're trending that way. Nothing's been finalized yet. No deal has been made, you know, final yet. That said, it sure does look like they're going to be headed in this direction and they're going to get rid of divisions and go to that eight or nine 
conference game format moving forward. Let's head back out to the hotline. Apparently, Martin isn't done with us today. He's come back for a second round of being on here with the big, bald, and beautiful one and the producer extraordinaire. Martin, what do you got, bud? Hey, okay, so I was so caught up in talking about my Red Sox, and I, I forgot to ask you a special little request. Okay, so I got to thinking. So your birthday bash is June 22nd at B-Dubs, right? That's correct. Okie dokie. So if I heard you right the other day, possibly we could have a special a special guest in-house, Louis Prejean, correct? I, things are being worked on behind the scenes. Yes, that's a possibility. Okay, if Mr. Louis P. shows up. MC Louis P. And he's on. Yes, sir. What a perfect spot to to have MC Louis P. versus Hannah Five Names in a chair dance-off competition. Winner takes all, loser buys the winner's meal. What a perfect spot. For I think that needs to be another event added to your birthday bash. Oh, Just Martin. My, my recommendation. Martin, I appreciate buddy, the buddy. phone call, bud. Thank you so much, man. I love that idea. Thank you. Have, have a good one, buddy. This man is trying to make competitive games happening at the birthday bash. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. If you have recommendations like Martin does or had, you let us know. Hit us up on social media. Comment on Facebook and Twitter. Hit us up in the old DMs, as they like to say, or give us a call on the hotline, 337-706-0111. They still say hit them up in the DMs, right? Is that is that still a thing? No, that's not a thing anymore. I'm being told by the you producer. You slide in the DMs. You don't hit up in the DMs. I am going to be 44 years old this year. I, I, I stopped being hip and cool a long time ago, yeah. and I was never hip and cool really to begin with. Yeah, it's a slide up on the slide of my story. Slide in my slide is the word. Slide's the word. Yes. Not hit up. Yes. Slide. Slide to my DMs. Where, where Kevin Foote struggles with the B Dubs nickname <laughs> and understanding modern music, I struggle with understanding terminology that the the kids do the kids use these days. The the TikTokers. Are they TikTokers? If you if you love TikTok, are you a TikToker? Um, if you make TikToks, then you'd be a TikToker, or you usually they say an influencer. They don't even put TikTok in there. Fancy. So you I'm an influencer? Fancy. Yeah. Influencer. Hmm. Okay. I think I like TikToker more. Okay. We'll let you have that. Like, football always call it Buffalo So you can slide up in our DMs or hit us up in the DMs, however you want to do that. <laughs> or if you just want to call the old-fashioned way, give us a call on the hotline, 337-706-0111. Send a registered envelope via the Postal Service. That works, too. 3501 Northwest Evangeline Thruway in Karen Crow, by the way, is the mailing address if you'd like to send us something in the mail. we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. We'll wrap up our number two. It's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. 
Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hey, if you want to see the Astros in person, you got to listen up. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston's going to be taking on the Chicago White Sox Saturday, June 18th, and you can be there. That's right, the Southsiders versus the Strohs inside Minute Maid Ballpark. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. That's right. Once again, Stroh's White Sox, Saturday, June 18th, at Minute Maid Ballpark. You'll get four tickets, a tour of the ballpark, and, wait for it, hotel accommodations. It is a great prize package. If you love the Stroh's, you got to enter and win this. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Houston downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to touch on the match, the latest variation of the match. This time didn't feature any golfers, just featured quarterbacks, star quarterbacks. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. Lots of talented guys in football attempting to play golf. So not the best golf that you've seen, even though Rodgers was pretty handy with the putter. What stood out to me about the match is how much trash the guys were talking with one another. And doing so, planning out the trash talking doing it so, uh, and doing it with their equipment. And what I mean by that is this. Josh Allen's golf ball that he used for the match had a photo of Tom Brady's draft photo where he looked like he was 115 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's a pretty good thing to take the time out to do that. And Brady said to Allen, said, uh, Josh, have you ever seen one of these? And his golf ball, Brady's golf ball, was the Lombardi Trophy on it. <laughs> And uh, Josh Allen then threw some shade to Aaron Rodgers, who notoriously doesn't show up for OTAs and volunteer workouts these days, said, this guy's pretty good at golf. That's what happens when you don't go to OTAs. You just play golf all day. So they had fun with it, which was great. Was it great golf? No. No. But it's a fun little off-season thing that these guys are doing. And I'm okay if the football stars take it over. This was originally, remember, Milkelson versus Woods. They did that a few times. They needed some help. Got like Payne Manning involved and everything. Eh. But Lefty's not going to be doing anything like this for a while. (laughs) So, and Tiger Woods may not be able to stand up straight. So, quarterbacks want to take it over. I'm all here for it. They're having fun with it. They're they're mocking each other, giving each other a little bit of the business. I'm here for it all day long. Hour number two in the books. Hour number three. We'll kick it off with Les East. Talking Saints, talking Pels. That's next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. 
From the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Hour number three has arrived. I know you're sad because that means only one more hour with the big, bald, and beautiful one and the producer extraordinaire. But not to worry, we're going to make it count. It may be the best hour of today's show. Watch out now. Watch out now. Half an hour from right now, Travis Brown will join us. He covers the Texas A&M Aggies. He's going to give us insight into the College Station Regional, which will begin tomorrow. Texas A&M is playing the early game, the Raging Cajuns, who are the three seed, got their way into a regional by winning the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Matt Deggs' team is going to be taking on the regular season champion of the Big 12, TCU. And that'll be tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. So we got a little NCAA regional talk coming up half an hour from right now. But right now, to kick off our number three of RP3 and company on this June the 2nd edition of our show, is our good friend, the award-winning columnist reporter from CrescentCitySports.com, a man who's also known for some blistering dance moves out on the disco floor. It's our good friend, the one and only Mr. Les East. Les, good morning to you, brother. How are you? I'm doing well, Raymond. How are you? Question one. First question up. Did you have a leisure suit back in the day from like around 1976 to 1982? Be honest. I did not, honestly. Did not? There was no Les East at the discotheque back in the day? No, not really. Not <laughs> sure why, but or maybe I just forgot. I don't know, but I don't think so. I, that's, that's one of the things I love about you, Les. You're just like, hey, maybe I just forgot to go. I just forgot to go. <laughs> <laughs> See, Les back in the day was just too cool for disco. Just too cool. He's like, ah, I'm not gonna do. De- I'm not gonna deal with all that nonsense. That's I- my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> All right, bud, give us your thoughts uh, about OTAs with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Obviously, they are voluntary, so some guys aren't there because they're working out on their own. That said, a lot of big names are in New Orleans, in Metairie, working out at the team facility, working out with their their fellow teammates. Um, What's been the biggest surprise for you? Well, I don't know uh, that there's – uh, necessarily been any surprises. I think it was good that uh, Jameis Winston was out there um, last week, and um, I'm sure he'll be out there again today, and uh, w- was participating in a lot of stuff. He didn't fully participate. Uh, he still can't you know, roll out. He's not doing any running, but he is able to to drop back and, and participate in passing drills. And he's about seven months removed from knee surgery. So that was an encouraging sign. Uh, you know, Tyron Matthew was there. Uh, he didn't certainly, you know, a 30 year old player, uh, doesn't necessarily need to be there, but it is a new team, a new, 
defensive system, new teammates, and as Dennis Allen pointed out, he, he lives in New Orleans, so that probably uh, made it easier to get him to show up at the mini camp. So those were the you know the headliners, I think, from last week. Uh, you know, we'll see when we get out there today who's there. You know, the, the things don't really put out. A, uh, a a roster and say who's here and who's not and the ones who aren't here why aren't they here uh, so uh, we're just speculating but the people who weren't on the field when we were out there Thursday we're assuming aren't here we assume that that'll be the same today but you never know occasionally it doesn't happen very often but occasionally somebody might miss the first week of OTAs and then they'll show up because they had some sort of conflict uh, that prevented them from being there the first week. So we'll see if there are any surprises today based on what we saw last week. But uh, for the most part, because it is voluntary, if they're not there the first week, you're not going to see them until minicamp. What does that tell you about Tyron Matthew, though, as you mentioned, being 30 years old, already being there for voluntary OTAs? Does that tell you just how quickly he's going to ascend in that locker room? Yeah, I think so. And he he made some interesting comments last week. Uh, You know, someone asked him about, you know, becoming a leader on a team. And he was kind of like, you know, right now I'm just trying to take care of my own business. I'm trying to get in the playbook, learn it, pay attention in the meetings. Uh, Chris Richard, the secondary coach, said he's always the first guy uh, to show up for meetings. He's always there early, always asks questions. And, but what Tyron was saying is that he's just, you know, taking care of his own business. Now he's not trying to be a leader other than taking care of his own business and, and, uh, showing his teammates, what kind of teammate he's going to be. And then as we get into training camp and closer to the season and, he knows his teammates better. He's more comfortable with the defense than the, his leadership qualities will come out on the field. So I thought that was kind of an interesting approach where he's he's not walking in and just saying, hey, I'm the, the new leader of this secondary. He's just focused on getting himself ready to be a big part of this defense. And, and ultimately, uh, his role in the defense will emerge as we get closer to the season. But that's the thing about that, Les, right? It's a it's a complete veteran move. But all those guys were thrilled that he got signed. A lot of those guys look up to him. He's a hero to them, including Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and others. So if he's there showing up at voluntary OTAs, that's a leadership move in itself, right? Oh, oh sure. And, uh, you know, and that's another thing Richard pointed out is that he, you know, that when teammates see that he's there when he doesn't have to be there and then he's showing up early for meetings and he's paying attention and then he's transferring what he learns in the meetings into hard work on the field, all of that stuff is a way to demonstrate your leadership because the the younger players are observing that and they're seeing uh, that's how they should behave because they know that, that Tyron's been around the NFL for a long time. He's been an all-pro, and he's going to be one of the leaders of this team. So he's leading by example and probably will become a more vocal leader as time goes along. But right now he's setting a good example for the young players, and I think that's probably one of the key elements of the OTAs at this point because 
there's not a, a lot of, you know, there's no real contact going on out there, and a lot of key players aren't there. So this, this isn't the most significant work that's going to happen, but the fact that he's there and showing the young guys how to be a professional uh, is an important element of the work that's going on right now. We're talking with Les East. He covers the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans for CrescentCitySports.com. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Les, let's talk about Jameis Winston because he's kind of taking the same approach. He's still recovering from his injury and, and trying to get fully healthy, yet there he is, voluntary OTAs, working with the young ones, working with some of the new players. Once again, we're looking at leadership being displayed to us and being displayed to the rest of the team, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's really important uh, for him to be out there. I think one to, to show how far along he is in his rehab from the injury, but also uh, to reassert himself as the leader of the offense and one of the leaders of the team. And, uh, you know, Mike Thomas isn't on the field, but, but he's there in the building rehabbing his injury. And so the two of them are able uh, to participate in meetings and, and go over the playbook and, and get to know one another a little bit better. Uh, Chris Olave, the number one pick, is there. Now, Jarvis Landry was not there last week when we were out there, so uh, Jameis isn't working with him yet. But uh, I think working with Olave is important. But just being out there and just showing the teammates how hard he has worked to get to where he is after you know really major knee surgery – Back in November, I think it's a it's a good sign to his teammates that he's out there and he's doing everything that he can do. And uh, Dennis Allen said he expects him to be ready for the start of training camp, and he's pretty far along now. The restrictions aren't all that severe right now, so I, I don't think it'll be surprising at all if he's full go in training camp. How impressive was uh, Chris Olave with what were you able to see there in limited capacity? Yeah, he, he's an impressive guy. The the word that uh, I've heard multiple people, including Jameis Winston, use is fluid. Uh, you know, he's he's very fast, and yet he's a guy who's he's so fluid that he, he doesn't look like he's having to exert himself in order to be fast. Uh, so he's you know, I think the fact that he played as much as he did at Ohio State. Uh, was useful. He, he had a, an extensive college career coming back for last season, I think, was beneficial to him. And um, uh, one of the coaches said that he's already a pro uh, as a rookie. And his, <laughs> he hadn't even been to his first training camp yet, and they say he's already uh, acting like a pro. So I think the maturity level and just the natural athletic ability kind of jump out. And uh, even though you can't see a whole lot right now, he you can see why they traded up twice to get a hold of him in the first round. Les, let's talk a little bit about this wide receiving core in, the, in, in this offense. Because they, last year it was a struggle with the wide receiving core. They dropped passes. They, they had problems getting separation. Now you look at this wide receiving core. You got Michael Thomas on one outside, Alave on the other. Landry will be the slot guy. Those are your top three. You have Troutman and Taysom Hill at tight end. And then you're going to be utilizing what? Traquan, Deontay, and Callaway as your four, five, and six options in the wide receiving core. 
just how talented and deep is the Saints offense heading into training camp? Well, it's a much different personality, and I'm going to write about this for, for Crescent City Sports later today about how the, the identity of the offense is going to be dramatically different than what it has been in recent years, and that, that's the primary reason that the wide receiver group should be by far the most improved unit on the team and maybe one of the most improved units on any team in the NFL. I mean, you just pointed it out, the guys – who were competing to be the number one receiver last year are now competing to be the number four receiver this year. And you're adding Mike Thomas, who's an all-pro. Last time he was healthy, he set an NFL record for catches, 149, I think it was. You're adding Chris Olave, probably the most explosive receiver uh, coming out of college. And then Jarvis Landry, who's a five-time pro bowler who's at the peak of his career. So I, I don't know of another position on any team in the NFL that, that's going to have that kind of infusion of talent. And then all of a sudden, the guys who we thought struggled last year trying to be the number one and number two receivers aren't being asked to do nearly as much. And Deontay Hardy has shown uh, that he can be a big play guy, but now Winston pointed this out last week that he's not going to have to play as many snaps as he has in the past, and he can focus on being a return specialist and a spot player in the receiving game. And then Marquez Callaway was showing, showed a lot of improvement last year, but he wasn't a true number one receiver, but he could be an excellent number four receiver. And then Traquan Smith is you know, a guy they're still waiting for the light to fully go on, but the demands they're going to place on him aren't going to be as great, so he could find a significant role. So all of a sudden, instead of wondering if you have a number one receiver, you're wondering which NFL quality receiver you might have to cut because there's not going to be room for him. Offensive line, we know who the starters are going to be from left tackle over to right tackle. Where do we stand during OTAs and heading into mini camp and training camp with the guys that are going to be the backups, less to tell tell me a little bit about, give me some insight here about the depth of the Saints' offensive line. Well, first of all, I wouldn't say that left tackle is necessarily settled. Obviously, they drafted Trevor Penning in the first round to be their left tackle in the uh, uh, very soon and ideally on opening day this year. But, but I wouldn't count out James Hurst initially because he's a, a reliable veteran and he's going to be given an opportunity to compete. I think they're hoping that Penning proves that he's worthy of that starting position right away, and he may well be. But I, I'm not sure that that's a guarantee at this point. Uh, because James Hurst is a reliable veteran. If, if Penning, is, you know, coming from northern Iowa, if the transition is a little bit slow for him, you know, Hurst could be the guy who's out there on opening day. Uh, you know, but depth-wise, you know, that's something that's not getting a lot of attention. But, you know, you know, Hurst has been the primary backup on the line, and if Penning wins that starting job, Hurst will again be the number one guy uh, backing up on the line. But, you know, Will Clapp signed with the Chargers. He was a, a guy they counted on a lot, swinging between guard and center. And so they're going to have to figure out who's going to be the person 
who takes that role, and I, I think it's wide open at this point. You know, they have uh, Ethan uh, Greenwich, who's been around for a couple of years, been forced into action a little bit. Uh, I do think Landon Young, the, the draft choice from Kentucky last year, I think is going to is somebody they're going to look at to be one of their primary backups, and then they they just have a whole lot of guys they've brought in. Uh, a lot of young veterans who haven't really played a lot in the NFL, who they're going to throw out there to compete. But those three that I mentioned, Hurst, Greenwich, and especially Young, I think are the guys most likely to, to find a role uh, as backups on the offensive line. But that's going to be a very competitive group in training camp. What about Calvin Throckmorton? He's gotten some playing time, right? They still are high on him or no? Yeah, I probably should have thrown him into that group as well. He he got uh, forced into action last year, started a couple of games, yeah. uh, I believe, in place of Ramcheck, and uh, and performed uh, fairly well. So, yeah, I would say he's another guy who could be competing uh, for a role as a backup because he uh, has some experience and showed some potential. Wrapping up our conversation with Les East, of ChristmasCitySports.com. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, I want to get your thoughts on the NBA Finals. You cover the Pelicans. Obviously, the Pelicans aren't in the uh, in the mix here for the Larry O'Brien Trophy, but you know basketball. You cover basketball. Uh, tell me, who do you like to win the NBA Finals, which tip off tonight between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics? Yeah, I would have to pick the, the Warriors. They have, uh, for the last... Uh, well, really, since the playoffs started, they have looked like the best team. They look like a championship team uh, in uh, in waiting. You know, they had so much. I believe during the regular season, uh, Seth Curry, I mean uh, <laughs> Steph Curry, and uh, Draymond Green and um, Clay Thompson played together for a total of like eight minutes the entire regular season because of injuries. So the fact that all three of those guys have been back together finally, I think has made them the best team in the playoffs, and certainly they have to be favored. But the Celtics, you know, they have – they are just a gutsy team. They are worthy – of the tradition of Celtics teams. They're not as talented as the Bird teams. They may not even be as talented as the Pierce and Garnett teams, and certainly not the the Bill Russell teams. But nonetheless, when you saw in that series against Miami with uh, Marcus Smart playing through injury, with him uh, trading blows with the number one seed, bouncing back from losing game six at home to win game seven on the road, they have an awful lot of heart, so I would not count them out. But I do think the Warriors are the more talented team and would be my pick to win. But I think it's a, a very intriguing matchup, and I think it could easily go six or seven games. Les, appreciate your time as always, brother. Thank you for it. Enjoy the rest of your week and your weekend, and we'll talk to you next week, bud. Thanks, Raymond. That's Lessie's the award-winning columnist reporter for CrescentCitySports.com, joining us here, talking mainly Saints. Also got a little NBA Finals action in there as well. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll update that poll question of the day. Also have a few minutes for phone calls if you want us to get them in. Game hotline is open, 337-706-0111. That's 337 337- 
706-0111. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. P3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Go! Now, back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to win excellent prizes to help take your lady out on the town for the night. Like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. That's right, $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious Gulf seafood, but you can only win that $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House by joining the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Once again, $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, but you can only score that by becoming a member of our clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Let's check in on the poll question of the day. NBA Finals tip-off tonight. Boston Celtics at Golden State Warriors. Larry O'Brien Trophy is on the line. What is your prediction for the NBA Finals? Do you think the Warriors are going to win it in six or seven? Do you believe the Celtics can win it in six or seven? Right now, 56% of you say the Warriors are going to win in six games. 24% say Warriors are going to win in seven games. So the overwhelming majority of you are going Golden State to win the whole thing. 80%. If I did my math correctly, yes. 12% of you say Celtics in seven. 8% say Celtics in six. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. I Look, I just want it to be an entertaining series. That's all I want. I'm not a fan of either team. I don't root for the Boston Celtics. I'm not James Mesh. I don't root for Golden State Warriors. I, as a basketball fan, as a sports fan, I just want it to be an entertaining series. I don't want blowouts. I want some buzzer beaters. I want some drama. I want to be entertained. Hopefully, we'll get that. Nothing worse than a dud of a series. When a championship is on the line and it's nothing but a snooze fest. No one wants to see that. No one wants to have that. No one wants to experience that. Absolutely. We want it to be entertaining. Hopefully it will. Once again, NBA Finals tips tonight. Celtics, Warriors, keep voting on that poll question of the day. Who do you got? You got the Celtics. You got the Warriors winning in six or seven games. Let us know with our poll question of the day. 
But we got to take a timeout. When we return, Travis Brown is going to join us. He covers the Texas A&M Aggies. Talk about the turnaround that they've had last year. Didn't even qualify for the SEC tournament. This year, hosting a regional national seed. We'll talk all about that coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 2nd, 1987. The Seattle Mariners select Ken Griffey Jr. with the number one overall pick in the Major League Baseball amateur draft. The kid would go on to become a 13-time All-Star and a 10-time Gold Glove Award winner. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. NCAA regionals will begin play tomorrow. That's right. Regional weekend is upon us. Texas A&M, of course, is hosting their national seed. And it's a great turnaround. The College Station Regional is not only going to feature the Texas A&M Aggies, it's also going to feature the regular season Big 12 champ TCU, who takes on the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns, who punched their ticket to a regional by winning the Sunbelt Conference tournament over in Montgomery. Matt Deggs' team will take on TCU. First pitch will be at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. And to give us a feel for what to expect in College Station and about the tremendous turnaround for the Aggies baseball program is our next guest. He covers the Aggies for the Bryan College Station Eagle. He's making his RP3 and company debut. Let's give a warm welcome to Mr. Travis Brown. Travis, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Hey, doing great. It's, it's, it's baseball postseason time. Can't, can't be any better than that. No, it, it can't be any better than that. And let's talk about this because I don't think people are talking enough about the turnaround there at A&M. This is a program that didn't even qualify for the SEC tournament a year ago. And here they are, national seed, hosting a regional. Just talk about the tremendous turnaround there done in College Station with the baseball program. Yeah, not even the turnaround from last year, but the turnaround from the beginning of the season. Uh, Jim Slosnagel comes in first season, uh, taking over from Rob Childers, who had been here for years and years, uh, goes into the transfer portal and brings in just a a whole turnaround of of players uh, in his first season. And it didn't look like it was going to work when the season started. They, They didn't really have, the bullpen was given up Series giving up games, uh, they couldn't. They were getting runners on base, but couldn't drive them in at all. Uh, lost a series to Penn early, and 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 uh, lost a, a bad midweek game to uh, uh, Houston early. And it seemed like man, things were going to go downhill. But for some for some reason, around uh, the the start of SEC play, when they went to LSU, things started to click and. Now they, they if you look through the, just the conference numbers, they're the, the one of the best hitting teams in uh, the SEC, leading in batting average and runs scored. And uh, pitching has has turned around a little bit, still a little bit of a struggle there. But 
yeah, I mean, it, 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 you, you can point all the way back to just uh, the, the LSU series when they opened up conference play to really when the kind of turnaround started. And next thing you know, they're, they're national seed and hosting for the first time since 2016. How different is his coaching style compared to the his longtime predecessor? It's a little different because uh, Rob Childress was definitely what you maybe consider a, a player's coach. Uh, he uh, very very pitching heavy. He was the the uh, pitching coach as well. Um, you always knew that A and M was going to have the pitching, but in his last few seasons, they just really couldn't muster the offense that they needed to to um, to go. Childress was. Uh, a little bit snake bitten by the COVID year because they had uh, Asa Lacey and Christian Roa and a really good pitching staff. And that was maybe going to be the season that they could have made a run to Omaha, but that was the shortened season. And, and he was a little bit snake bit by that because they lost a lot of guys to the draft that year and, and couldn't really recover um, last year. Uh, uh, Jim Schlossnagel, a little bit more of maybe the CEO coach. He's going to, he lets Nate yes he do the the pitching. He runs the uh, the offense in the infield. Um, on the field, you might not see a whole lot of difference, uh, but definitely a little bit more balanced. And, and they've been able to hit the ball a lot better this year than they have in the last three or four years uh, in College Station. Give me a little bit of uh, some insight here about the rotation, about the about the aces. How many frontline starters do they have, and what's the bullpen like? So that's the biggest question mark for the for the Aggies coming through. Really, the only true, consistent, surefire pitcher is Nathan Detmer. He's a sophomore. Um, he didn't actually have a great start in his SEC tournament uh, out there. And really, the thing about the Aggies, they, they won seven straight SEC series, and they did that by swinging the bat. Um, they, they never really had a whole lot of consistent pitching, uh, but they were able to uh, – to, to, to overcome that with hitting, no more case in point than uh, the second game of the South Carolina series where they, they went down 9 nothing uh, and were able to come back and win that game with a walk-off home run, uh, even actually going down again late, late in the game. Uh, they can swing their way. They're absolutely just swinging their way through this season. Uh, so the difference of if, if the Aggies are going to make it through the regional, if they're going to make it, uh, to Omaha is going to be if that pitching can step up. Nathan Detmer has been mostly their most consistent pitcher. Micah Dallas was their most consistent pitcher early in the season, and then he had a stretch of four straight starts where he gave up 23 runs uh, it, uh, combined in those four starts. And actually, was pulled from the rotation uh, in the last two series, and he he made his his starting debut again in the first game of the SEC uh, uh, tournament and actually only gave up one hit in five innings and, and did a really good job. They're going to need him to be strong to have that second option. And then beyond that, they've gone with Ryan Prager. They've gone with a freshman. They've gone with Brad Rudis, a freshman. Uh, they've gone with Will Johnson, who, who's a lot of times their, their best lefty out of the bullpen sometimes. So they're going to need to go uh, three and out if they're really going to have a shot to get to the uh, to, to the. Um, Super regionals because if they have to get into that losers bracket, they're I don't know if they have the pitching. I don't know who would be that fourth starter, that fifth starter uh, for them. Uh, Moo Minifee, uh, Joseph Minifee, his nickname is Moo. 
uh, is is uh, lefty out of the bullpen who's been really consistent, 11th in the SEC in strikeouts through SEC play. So they have some options, but they're going to need to get deep into that, that pitching rotation, deep in that bullpen, and, and they haven't necessarily proven they can do that so far this season. It sounds a lot like what's happening down the road from us in Baton Rouge with LSU where Blake Money looked to be the guy early in the season. He lost his way and he got pulled out of the rotation. And they only got really one pitcher. And there's question marks whether they have enough pitching to even go through a regional. And they win games with their explosive lineup. Sounds like the Aggies and the Tigers are really similar, similar there, Travis. Um, and uh, uh, we got, we're got talking with Travis Brown. He covers Texas A&M. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, let's switch gears and talk about this regional. A&M gets to host. It's a big deal. But they get to welcome in the regular season champ out of the Big 12 who's got a big chip on their shoulder and their storylines there because of the connection with the coaches and the sta- and the two teams. Oh, and the Raging Cajuns come to town and their head coach, obviously years ago, was on staff at A&M. It's going to be an emotional weekend for them. That's where his career got derailed and it got back on track over here as an assistant under Tony Robichaux and the Raging Cajuns for Matt Degg. So... Uh, just what's the intrigue level like about this regional? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. There's, there's the storylines abound. There's, there's so many. Um, when you look at, like you said, uh, Jim Schlossnagel getting to play his old team in the first year that he uh, moved away from TCU after so many years there. You, you mentioned Matt Deggs and returning to Aggieland uh, uh, and everything that, that goes into there. There's a ton of players, when, when you look at because of the transfer portal that, you know, uh, played for some of these teams or played with some of these players and, and, and a lot of uh, a really good connections there, I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see how the TCU players, uh, what they had to say about this series, what they have to, how they come out, because I, I, I think that regardless of if they admit it or not, they're going to be pretty fired up to try to, uh, to show up their their old coach and and take it, but the other storylines too are the fact that if you look back in the last decade in the state of Texas, one of the and really in college baseball, one of the on the field biggest rivalries was A and M and TCU. There there was a stretch there from 2015 to 2017 where TCU ended A and M season the postseason every year. That was the uh, Fort Worth Super Regional that went to. 16 innings in the, the, the game three that TCU advanced to the College World Series in 2017, College Station Super Regional that uh, TCU ended up winning. And then 2017, uh, uh, they both made it to Omaha, and TCU knocked uh, A&M out of the, the College World Series that year. So um, beyond just the coaching connections, there's, there is uh, no love lost between those two programs and their fans. Uh, because of, of uh, the, the postseason history they've had. And uh, Aggies are, are surely hoping to uh, uh, get revenge from some of those past uh, miscues as well at the hands of the Horned Frogs. Who presents the biggest challenge for A&M? Is it TCU or is it you know the Raging Cajuns who are coming in red hot after knocking off uh, two of the top seeds in their conference tournament to punch their ticket? I'm going to go ahead and say it is TCU, but there is one thing that uh, the Raging Cages do have in, in their favor, and that is their aggressiveness on the base path. Um, I know it's a hallmark of a Matt Degg team. 
there has been times when the pitching has started to falter. They they, they hit batters. They um, walk walk batters. And if things start to get sideways, and, and if if uh, Lafayette and and uh, uh, A&M play each other, things start to get sideways for A&M's pitchers. That's something that they can certainly exploit with that aggressiveness on the base path. And so um, that would be a definitely a a, a thing to watch in, in that matchup should it happen. Um, but I, I do think that uh, TCU and, and A&M is going to be the the, the, the highlight matchup of, of the weekend. It probably has the, the, the biggest uh, um, upset potential for, for A&M. We're talking with Travis Brown. He covers the Texas A&M Aggies for the Bryan College Station Eagle. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, what do you expect to happen this weekend? Baseball is a funny sport. Weird things happen, especially in regionals. But what do you expect to, uh, once the dust settles, so to speak, who do you expect to have won the College Station Regional and punched their ticket to the Supers? Sure. I'll actually step one back one, one second, go back to that last question, and actually mention it Oral Roberts, too, because uh, they're, they're not your typical four seed. They're, they're a team that has a lot of um, – NCAA tournament experience, uh, they're, they're perennially in there. And um, uh, actually knocked TCU, Jim Slotsingle's TCU, out of a regional, uh, I believe, in 2018 um, in, in, in an elimination bracket game. So we always keep an eye out for them because they're a team that, that isn't just your normal, oh, my gosh, we're so excited to be here team. They, they know what they're doing. That being said, um, I, I do think it is A&M's, regional to, to, to lose, um, and, and it's just going to come down to their, their, their pitching, to win or lose. It's going to come down to their pitching. Um, if their pitching does show up, they, they could have a easy walk three games through, but if it doesn't show up, it's going to be a tough road to hoe through the, uh, through the loser's bracket, and I think then it could be TCU or maybe even Lafayette's uh, uh, series to win. Um, but I, I do think the, the Aggies have the upper hand uh, in this. They, they, they haven't proven that they can't swing their way out of any um, mishap that the pitchers might have, and uh, I, I think ultimately they can swing their way to the Super Regionals. All right, and who do you like for them to face in the Supers, the other regional winner that they're paired up with? Who do you like to come out of that? Yeah, that's a really fun one to look because you have Louisville, you have Michigan, and you have Oregon all coming out three, uh, three, three name brands. Maybe not necessarily for college football, but just in college athletics uh, on the whole. Um, I, I think uh, I think you, you got to go with the host in Louisville to come out of that one. But um, uh, Oregon had notched some big wins this season, and uh, wouldn't be surprised if Oregon uh, was able to slip out. But I think probably the front runner on that one, it, it's going to be a little bit chalk and. And Louisville will come out of that one, which will present a, a, a really great matchup. And, and Louisville's head coach was also someone that might have been a little bit on the, uh, the Aggies' radar, at least one of those names that got bounced around after uh, Rob Childress' his contract wasn't renewed. And so some intrigue there. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think you've you got to look at maybe an a louisville matchup in that Super Regional. Travis, appreciate your time. As always, tell the people – uh, where they can follow you on social media and where they can go to read all of your work this weekend, bud. Sure. Uh, TheEagle.com uh, is our website where all the, the, the stories will be. And it's 
uh, at Travis underscore L underscore Brown. Travis, appreciate your time, bud. Have fun with the regional this weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. You got it anytime. That's Travis Brown, covers the Texas A&M Aggies, telling us a little bit about their turnaround. But this is a flawed team. You heard him say it. It reminds me a lot of LSU. They can out-hit people, but they only got one pitcher. They only got one guy, just like LSU's only got one guy. And what was the other thing that stood out to what he said? He said A&M's pitchers tend to walk hitters and tend to hit batters. And when they do that, they're vulnerable for base stealing. Who loves to be aggressive on the base paths? The Louisiana Raging Cajuns. So that's something to pay attention to for the Aggies as they host the College Station Regional. Once again, UL will be taking on TCU in the nightcap on Friday night. 7 o'clock first pitch there from the College Station Regional. We got to take a timeout. We'll finalize the poll question of the day and get you set up for Kevin Foote and footnotes. That's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Oh, the game clubhouse is free to join. It's easy to join. You're not going to be spammed, and you'll get the opportunity once you become a member to win free stuff. How about like a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou? Man, they got these ginormous fried cheese sticks, burgers, all types of good tasting stuff there. Great comfort food, mozzarella sticks, barbecue pork sandwiches, and so much more. You can have a great time, a great meal at Mabel's Kitchen down there in Cypress Bayou. And we want to hook you up with this $25 gift certificate to Mabel's. But you can only win it if you become a member of our clubhouse. So go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com so you can have the opportunity to score yourself a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou. I want to take a moment while we finalize the poll question of the day to thank our two guests that helped make today's edition of RP3 and Company tremendous. Thanks to Les East, our buddy from CrescentCitySports.com, talking a lot of Saints OTA stuff, as well as touched on the NBA Finals. Also want to thank Travis Brown, Texas A&M beat reporter, giving us a feel for the College Station Regional, which will start tomorrow afternoon. Poll question of the day. What is your prediction for the NBA Finals, which tips off tonight? 61% of you say the Golden State Warriors are going to win in six. 21% say Golden State will win in seven. 11% say Celtics in seven. And 7% of you say Celtics in six. Thanks to all of you who voted on the poll question of the day and left your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to go check out our... Well, what's the best way to describe this? Our beautifully awful attempt at playing Wiffle Ball Home Run Derby behind the building here at Delta Media yesterday. It was... <laughs> Look, if you need a good laugh, go check it out. It's on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and more. 
Um, it was an experience. And uh, I didn't win, but I did better than someone else who didn't hit a single home run with the wiffle ball and then blamed it on the official Houston Astros wiffle ball bat that he purchased. That person is not me, and nor is it James Mesh. That only leaves one other. You'll figure it out on your own. For the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Pars the third. We'll do it all again tomorrow, six to nine. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana.